0: Hey now people, this is Calvin here with the Boneyard TV show, and you're listening to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Welcome to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Each week, I bring the world of hunting, fishing, and conservation to you. From the great hunting and fishing opportunities found in the Americas, to the dream safaris located on the dark continent beyond. I'll introduce you to those who are already out in the field living every outdoor enthusiast's dream, as well as outfitters and gear manufacturers that can make those dreams your reality. Killin' Sticks arrows are for the serious hunter, a company that understands the needs of the outdoorsman and provides five different styles of carbon fiber arrows, ranging from hunting to tournament arrows. If you want premium carbon fiber arrows, go to Killin' Sticks, K-I-L-L-N-S-T-I-X.com to review their carbon arrows. For listeners of the Outdoor Adventures with Jason show, use promo code OUTDOORS to get 10% off your first order. Killin' Sticks, where the blood trail begins. Welcome to this week's episode of Outdoor Adventures with Jason. This is going to be a real neat and fun uh, episode. I've got Mike DeFiba on. Mike is a professional walleye angler and happened to take first place in the 2017 National Walleye Tournament uh, put on by Cabela's this year. Mike, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good, Jason. How are you doing today?
0: Oh, great. And uh, I'm very excited to talk to you because growing up in Michigan, uh, growing up on Lake Huron, walleye fishing was not just something you occasionally did. It was what everybody did. If there wasn't ice on the water, and even if there was, you were out there chasing walleye in one form or fashion. So to have somebody on that's in the, the professional circuit is fantastic.
1: Well, I'm glad to be here today.
0: So take me back a little bit, Mike, and, and tell the listeners, were you always fishing? Did you grow up in a family that did a lot of fishing? Is that what sparked the interest in in the walleye fishing and just fishing in general
1: yeah absolutely i since as far back as i can remember uh my dad would take me fishing when he'd get home from work or uh we'd even go back me and my little brother to take off and go wandering through the woods to catch creek chubs out of a little creek behind our house i was always had the interest in fishing and it didn't really matter what it was for as long as i got to go fishing i was happy growing up
0: and that is in central ohio where you live now
1: Yes, it's kind of west central Ohio. It's kind of out in the middle of a cornfield. There's no big towns or anything close to me here. Um, There's not a, I guess if you don't fish or hunt, there really ain't much to do around this neck of the woods. Well,
0: that's not bad things to have, you know, the only thing to do.
1: No, I don't mind either one of them.
0: So what sparked an interest in walleye fishing? Because I know you don't just wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to apply and jump on the, the pro circuit. You had to have worked up to that.
1: I, I did. I, I actually started out fishing bass tournaments. Um, I traveled around fishing some bass tournaments—Michigan, Ohio, Kentucky—and uh, uh, to be honest with you, I'd struggle a little bit with it. I'd, I'd get on fish and then I'd lose them, and I couldn't couldn't figure out where they went to. Started fishing a few walleye tournaments here and there, just they was convenient and close, and it seemed like I was always able to make better decisions on the, when the fish would move or something to change. I could try to find them again or get back on them it worked from there where i started fishing you know full seasons of uh team tournaments and that started about uh, 2001 2002 is when i first started fishing fishing the walleye tournaments and started fishing entire circuits of them about 2004 picked it up from there carried on up till uh, um, this year actually i've been talking about fishing the pro circuit for a few years now and this winter my my wife finally said you know that's uh Enough of me listening to it, and she got on the computer and started entering me into them. <laughs> so we was committed at that point. Well, that's a good way to have
0: it committed. At least you weren't fighting her on it.
1: No, actually, I I have to give any any success I have or credit. Uh, it all goes to my wife. She she does more than I do when it comes to fishing. She makes sure that everything's in order, everything's taken care of, and lets me just concentrate on going and catching fish. And that is a a huge asset to have in your corner
0: oh yeah and it worked out great for you if a person wanted to start not in the pro circuit but just hey i've never walleye fished before what's one or two three pieces of equipment that really is the basics that they should be looking at for uh for fishing
1: um the the basics of it is if you're depending on the time of year that you're fishing if you're fishing from the shore or out of a boat um if you're just starting out you want to a fairly good quality spinning reel. Basic tackle would be a uh, you know a handful of crankbaits, some uh, lead heads and twister tails. The fish generally transition from uh from spring into summer and fall. Starting out fishing the spawn is a really good way to get started out. Most of the time, it's a jig bite where you're going to feel the fish pick up. Um, pretty straightforward. The fish are are going to be bunched into their spawning areas. Some of them accessible by shore uh, here at Indian Lake by where I live. There's a, there's an excellent shore bite up here for uh they're actually saw guy they're a hybrid fish that the state stocks in they're a half saw guy or half sauger, and half walleye and they're doing really good in some of our shallower lakes, but a lot of the spawning areas are accessible from bank and it takes a a spinning outfit and a handful of lead heads and twister tails and you're in business right here.
0: So just go down to one of your local sporting goods stores and pick them up and dozen colors or so for the spinning tails and half dozen dozen leadheads?
1: Yeah, it's um, a lot of times the colors colors can be even more basic than that. Uh, chartreuse orange and pink uh, would cover a big, big selection of them. If you've got leadheads from uh, a 16th up to a quarter on the lake that I live on here and probably no more than three eighths or, uh, or a half ounce if you're on a really deep lake, but it's harder to cast them from the shore. But Basically an eighth, uh, a quarter and a three eighth sled heads and get them in a couple of different colors. Sometimes a black jig head will work. I would say a black, a chartreuse, a chartreuse and orange, possibly a pink. Uh, those, those will be your basic colors. If you pick those up, that would be uh that'd be a good start without spending a bunch of money getting involved in it right out of the gate.
0: Okay. So, and those are actually not real expensive, but the rod and reel, and it doesn't have to be high end, but you could say just about a, a, a just a decent one.
1: Yeah, I would, uh, I would stay away from, uh, you know, the really cheap ones and it's not necessary to go with the most expensive one either. Somewhere in the middle of the range, middle, mid-range, I would recommend probably a medium light action in a six to six and a half foot for a beginner. As far as the reels go, just make sure that, uh, when the ana-reverse is on, they don't spin backwards very far. Some of them have instant anti-reverse, and some of them, they only stop at like quarter increments or half increments. So when you go to set the hook, the reel will actually spin backwards a little bit. And a lot of times that makes the difference between hooking a fish and missing one when they, they just bump it real quick.
0: Okay, so you could be a decent rod and reel for somebody just getting started, some tackle on a small a small bag, 150 bucks or less, and you're probably good to go.
1: Yeah, I would say for, for $150, you could probably get started for, for shoreline walleye fishing, and you can catch them casting crankbaits, pretty much anything but topwater. You can catch a, a walleye or a sauger or a guy on.
0: Now, are these hybrid ones that are near where you're at, are they a more aggressive style fish?
1: Uh, they are uh, sauger The sauger themselves end up or tend to be more aggressive, and the sauger I've actually taken that trait from the sauger. When when you get them fired up, there it can be on every cast for a while. They do really well in shallow water too, which makes them a lot more accessible to to anybody starting out. Also, because you know it's easier easier to line them out when they're shallower.
0: Sure. It's not a super expensive sport to start off with. Uh licenses are usually fairly inexpensive. Generally a decent amount of access to water. I know as a kid that's what really led us to doing it a lot was just the ease of it. Uh you could go off the pier where we lived and and fish for them heck sometimes with a bobber. It just made for a, a you know a bobber and a nightcrawler harness.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's uh that, that works here in different areas. Like early spring here, we've got a creek where the water runs out of the main lake here that we just go down there and stand and most everybody's met each other for the most part and we talk and have a good time just casting lead heads and twister tails in the creek down there
0: <laughs> so we've got some basic equipment you fished a number of tournaments for geez 14 15 years uh the local circuit and then you made that jump to the nwt the national walleye tour and that had to have been that had to been a lot of fun had, had you fished with anybody else that was fishing that tournament before or was this Just kind of you going in green and just knowing the water but not knowing any of the people.
1: Um, I know some of the people, uh, I've fished with a few of the anglers before, um, off and on, I've fished against a few of them in the smaller tournaments before they've, they've made the step up. I've got to fish against a lot of them in the, uh, in the smaller team tournaments. The Cabela's has a national team championship every year, which is an invitation only. They take like the team of the year from the smaller clubs. They'll have certain tournaments that qualify you for it. And I've got to fish against a lot of the guys there that I've met at, met at different times along the way. So I wasn't completely blind going into it, but I didn't have a whole lot of contacts or fishing information that was where I could work with a lot of people.
0: That's a big step. And you get up there. Now, for people who aren't familiar, the National Walleye Tour, is. am I right on this, Mike? It's three stops, three fishing tournaments, and then the Grand Championship.
1: Yes, sir. That's correct. You have three qualifiers, and then the uh, the championship is a three-day tournament at the end of the year to determine the angler of the year for, the, for 2017 or whatever particular year you're in.
0: I'll have links in the show notes for this, uh, but I'll have the episode that Mike won for the Lake Erie tournament linked to it, so you can go right out on YouTube and watch it. Take us over back to, the, I think it was springtime when that tournament took place.
1: Yes, sir. It was actually in April. It was... Uh, it was close to the middle of the spawn uh, this year. The fish were were a little messed up. We'd had a lot of high winds, a lot of muddy water. It was a, it was a really struggle to find fish up there. I I covered a lot of water. I spent a week ahead of the tournament practicing. I had some of my good friends up there helping me. This one was a little closer to home. Uh had a, had a lot of help from my friends up there helping me eliminate water and through practice between all of our efforts, we was not been able to get a big fish bite lined out. I knew I knew there was going to be a lot of people struggling in the tournament, and we had some guaranteed smaller fish that would bite. So we came up with a plan. To, uh, when I went out, I was going to go catch the smaller fish that you could catch jigging and then just keep right on pre-fishing, looking for the bigger fish that uh, the that rolling.
0: That's the deal with the tournament is you want to try and bring in five fish, correct?
1: Yes, sir. On the, on the, the walleye side, on the National Walleye Tour, it's a five-fish limit at lake Erie, in particular you're allowed to call so you can upgrade anything that you put in the box too
0: okay so if you have a a four pound fish in there and you catch a five pound you can dump that four pound back in the lake and keep the five
1: yes sir as long as the fish is not dead you can't call a dead fish you know if you have one in your possession that dies you can't call that one but as long as the fish is live you can call and upgrade to a larger fish
0: got it so you better have a good live well
1: Yes, yeah, so that's that's okay. very important. A dead fish penalty can cost cost a lot in the tournament.
0: Uh, do they fish have to all be alive when you bring them into the station?
1: Uh, they don't have to be alive, but you do suffer. Um, I believe it's a half pound penalty, so you'll get an eight ounce penalty for each dead fish.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. so you def that that could be the difference between first and second place.
1: Yeah, that could be in certain tournaments, like in North Dakota this year. A half or two pound dead fish penalty could drop you forty places.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, so you guys were fishing that close.
1: Yes, it was. That was a game of ounces out there. Two pounds could could move you a long ways in the standings.
0: And now here's the interesting thing for those of you that are listening and say, "Well, geez, that sounds like a lot of fun, but I don't have a boat to fish." The NWT does something a little bit unique with the and the other walleye tournaments might do this as well but there's there's the professional and then there's the co-angler can you explain that a little bit mike
1: yes sir when uh when you get ready to enter the tournament you can enter as a pro or a co-angler a co-angler is of course it has a lot lower entry fee in on the co-angler side and it's something to help people get into tournament fishing it it's a, it's honestly a really good good uh Format for a tournament. If you wanted to enter and and fish one of these tournaments as a co angler, the uh, the pros responsible to to bring all the gear into the boat, all the bait and tackle, provide the boat. The co angler, um, of course, has to come to our pre tournament meeting. They will have a draw. Uh, You get a draw out with uh, with one of the pros that are fishing it, and you meet up the next morning. You go over the different techniques. It's a absolutely great learning experience. You get a fish with a different pro each day. Like the, the co-angler that I get, get paired with on day one, on day two, he will be fishing with somebody else. Uh, Of course, there's rules against talking or anything. You know, you can't, you can't share what you did on day one with a different guy, with the next guy that you're with. But it's a, it's a absolute great way for, for people getting started in the sport or even, even guys that just not ready to go spend the entry fee on the, on the, the pro side of it to go in there and be able to compete at this level nationwide and travel to lakes that you've never, never even dreamed of being on before.
0: Yeah. Now, does the co-angler bring any
1: of their own gear? They can bring two rods. If you have your favorite rod that you, you like to jig with, it's up to the pro if he has room in the boat, but he can allow, the, by the rules, that he can allow you to bring up to two rods if they, the co-angler chooses to and the pro agrees to it. But if, if he doesn't have any, then it's the pro's responsibility to supply all the rods and reels.
0: If you love to fish, you've got some time to take off, and you're really interested in this type of uh, fishing and the commitment and the time frame, the entry fee is pretty reasonable. I think it's less than four hundred dollars.
1: Um, yeah, it's this year. It was three hundred and fifty to enter as a co angler,
0: and that's two three days of fishing.
1: That yes, sir. That's two days on the qualifiers and three days for the championship. And if you if you ever looked at a uh, the price of a, a charter boat or something take you out fishing on Lake Erie or one of the other other lakes, that comes to one hundred and seventy five dollars a day, and it's a one on one eight hour fishing day, two days in a row.
0: Oh, I'm telling you, it's a smoking deal.
1: Uh, you and know, then you've got a chance of winning about $6,000 on top of it.
0: Right, because that's what I was going to say is not only – now, obviously, the purses for the pros, because they're putting up a lot more effort, equipment, gear, time, money, everything. The purses for the pros are much bigger, and we're going to discuss that in a minute. But the co-angler fees come back, and it's a great way – as you said, I think – geez, I think they placed up to – 38 or 40 spots something like that one some amount of money
1: yeah they they generally try to pay over 20 percent of the field so if there's 100 boats there's going to pay 20 places at 150 there'll be 30 places
0: a great deal and and you get to see some neat areas uh lake erie and now i'm going to butcher this lake that's in north dakota Sakakawea.
1: that's correct
0: all right and i the first one to tell you I never heard of that lake before and then I watched the tournament that took place on that and these guys and were you at that one as well
1: Yes I was there
0: I see the boats taking off and they're saying all oh, these guys are going to run 140 miles down the lake and I'm like oh jeez talk about getting <laughs> beat up
1: Yeah that's uh they had that one wide open you could go uh, go as long as you stayed in the state and it was it was a little bit farther than that before you would leave the state in that river I actually checked it about a hundred out to about a hundred miles out. I, I missed the the big bite that was on down the river out there. I ended up fishing a lot closer to the ramp than making that big run. But all those guys that happened to refuel at the other end of that run at 120 to 140 miles out, they all had to stop and get fuel so that they could make the ride back.
0: Because you're not talking boats with huge gas tanks. I mean, these are these are fishing boats.
1: Yeah, they generally have a 50 to 60 gallon tank, depending on the manufacturer.
0: It won't take long to eat that up when you're when you're trying to run a hundred plus miles down a, a river. that's right. Now you have to be back at a certain time on these tournaments, correct? There's a there's a time frame. They say you're in, you're out, and if you don't make it back on the time, is it you're you're out, you're knocked out of the tournament?
1: Yeah, there's a uh, a short period of time that you get a a penalty for it. I would have to double check. I believe it's half your weight, and then after that, your weight's gone for the day. It's like 10 or 15 minutes. You lose half your weight, and after that, you've lost all your weight. Oh, yeah, so you better be back. Yes, if you're not back on time, then it's pretty well a a shot day for you.
0: Now, let's head back to this Lake Erie tournament. Uh, Anybody that's uh, grown up in the Midwest around the Great Lakes in April knows that the weather's hit or miss. It can be 80 degrees, or you can get a snowstorm. And there's no way to ever know which one's coming. So when you look at that, I can only imagine, and then reading the story, the water was pretty rough and choppy and turned up that day uh, from the sounds of it.
1: Yes, we'd actually had a a lot of winds. Um, We kept getting strong north winds, which blows into the south shoreline and, and muddies the lake up really bad. Normally, on a normal year, there'll be muddy and clean spots out there. But this year, about the whole spawning area in the western basin got got turned into almost chocolate milk. The The water clarity was maybe in a good spot, six, seven inches. Some spots it was two to four inches. Your bait would dig here as soon as it went under the water. You couldn't see it no more.
0: I was just going to say make it hard for the fish to see too
1: exactly that's you there was a lot of fish there a lot of fish on the fish finder i i fished it off and on for the whole week i fished clear to the canadian shoreline on lake erie trying to find fish and just you could mark the fish everywhere canada didn't have the marks it had cleaner water but it didn't have the fish in it and uh I couldn't get nothing but a few little fish over on the Canadian side, so I came back and went back into the mud, and you would catch one, maybe two fish a day. You you could catch out of the mud, and we just kept plugging away at it and, and trying different stuff, different baits, different depths. Uh, the fish were suspended. They weren't on the bottom, so you had to keep bringing your baits back and forth, trying to figure them out, and we just couldn't seem to get a pattern put together that was going to hold where you, you could go over there and plan on catching a limit of fish doing that.
0: Very aggravating. Very tough work.
1: It it for you know being Lake Erie. I've I've been up there in the good times and the bad times, but that is probably the worst I've seen the bite on Lake Erie. For some of the things that I've seen up there, just the numbers of fish that's in that lake and uh, the the access you have to them by boat out there, being able to get on them and just you know you can go through forty, fifty fish, clear up to a hundred fish a day up there on the right days. It's just a phenomenal fishery, and to see it see it look like that up there was was very frustrating.
0: I bet. And then for anybody that reads the the report on this, going into this, you look you were definitely one of the underdogs and looking to have a possibly not a good tournament. You know, you still might place, but it wasn't looking like you were going to be in the top. And man, it looks like that last day you just put it all together and got some great yeah. fish.
1: Yeah, I had, uh, I had great co-anglers both days up there. I I can't thank them enough for, uh, for the help that they had in, in, in putting all this together. They, they was both, um, you know, no questions. They didn't look at me sideways because they knew I was doing things that nobody else was doing that I, I was fishing jigfish to catch my limit. And that's, that's almost a nail in the coffin at Lake Erie. Any other tournament of the year up there, if you say you're going jigging, that means that you gave up the tournament. With the the bigger fish being so stingy, I I thought that I could catch 20 pounds of fish jigging, and the bigger fish was running 7 to 10 pounds. So if somebody got two in the middle, that's 17 pounds. So I figured the 20 pounds is going to put me over everybody that can only catch two out there. So that left me with the, with the game plan of getting that and then continuing to hunt for the big fish. On day one, uh, we caught our jigging fish. Uh, we took off hunting for the big fish. I went to the normal spots on, on day one where the big fish are supposed to be. Drove around. I was able to catch one one big fish that upgraded me to, uh, to 22 pounds. A little over twenty two pounds there when we came in at the end of the day and it actually had me in twenty second place. So I was still in the uh, in the paycheck range for the tournament. So I wasn't I wasn't down and out, but I I didn't think that I had a shot at winning it, to be honest with you. I was seventeen pounds back of the lead, which is a that's a pretty huge amount to make up even on Lake Erie.
0: Tell the folks that are listening, not only did you surpass that seventeen pounds, you crushed it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, on day two, I went out. Um, I honestly hadn't completely made up my mind. Everything was still rattling. I was processing all the information I had from the, the week that I would, I'd been up there. Uh, there's a smokestack right there where we was coming out in Huron. I seen the smokestack laid over, which meant the lake was going to be rough. Uh, I was boat number 13, which, you know, that's a lot of people don't think that's a lucky number, but it's mine now. <laughs> but, uh, we, when we was idling out, I was talking to my co-angler going out, you know, telling him that, you know, we're going to have to go jig. I still haven't got a big fish program lined out. And, uh, I went out boat 13 the first day. So I didn't really see where everybody went the first day. They was all behind me, the majority of them. And I watched, uh, a hundred and some boats in front of me. Every one of them I seen turned left out of the mouth of the river and I looked at my co-angler when I got to the mouth of the river and I said well this is either going to be good or bad because we're going to take a right and uh we ran down there I had two friends that I know in the tournament that had been fishing in the general area where I was headed to down there and they was the same bite that they was in other parts of the lake one maybe two big fish but I went down to a jigging spot down toward Ruggles Reef It would be east out of Huron. And my jigging fish had actually moved on me. On day one, I'd caught them in about 17, 18 feet of water. And we had a strong east wind blowing in with a front coming through so i rationalized that the fish would move a little deeper so i started out in about 19 20 feet of water and i didn't catch nothing there and when i got into the 17 18 foot of water uh it went to sheephead and um, there wasn't no sheephead there the day before i was like well that's kind of odd so i just started working a little shallower and it was smallmouth bass was hitting in the 13 to 15 foot range and I'd caught some in that, in that same range the day before. I said, well, they held there, but the sheephead that was in shallower yesterday is deeper. So I went into 9 to 11 feet of water. As soon as I got in there, the walleye started hitting. We, we had a limit in maybe 10 or 15 minutes. We had our 5 foot boat.
0: Less than 15 foot of water?
1: Yeah, we was in 9 to 11 feet was where the, all the walleye came from, on, where the jigging fish came from on day two. Wow.
0: I to so say you don't have to put much line out to jig on that one.
1: No, we was using, uh, you actually use heavier jigs on Lake Erie reefs than you normally do. A hair jig is a, uh, is a mainstay up there on the reefs. And in particular, this day I was throwing a five eighths ounce hair jig in an antifreeze color. And with the rough water and trying to keep them alive, I'd, I'd foregone the live bait and I was putting a, a three inch Berkeley gulp minnow on the back of it and using that for the, the bait on the trailer on the, uh, on the hair jig and the, fish as soon as you found them in there they would hit it and we we got our five fish there nine to eleven feet of water which they moved all about seven eight feet shallower which told me that the fish became more active over than then in this area of the lake so instead of running back the west where everybody else was fishing. I decided to stay in the area there and pull out to deeper water, about 40 feet of water to fish for the big fish. When I got out there, I could see them on the fish finder. I knew they was there. And on my first pass, we caught one that was about four pounds, which was an upgrade off of one of our jig fish. I said, well, that's a good start. And we came up and made a little shorter pass out just a hair deeper, 41 to 42 feet of water. And our next pass, trolling pass, we got a nine pounder. And you I was mean. like, oh, I marked marked where he was I dropped a waypoint I came up and I shorted my pass up again and when I came down through there we hooked another one that was in the eight to nine pound range and I was like oh and I saved a waypoint on it and as I pulled away from it and as we kept trolling I looked there and both of those waypoints was real close to each other so our third pass up we went back our fourth pass up I went back up and shortened it again and when we came through that same area we caught another one so we made uh six passes total when they kept shortening up because it was getting later in the day. And all five of our upgrade fish came probably within 150 yards of each other.
0: Wow. So you you were able to call in and upgrade all five of the fish?
1: I did. We actually called, we upgraded all five of our jig fish and the first four pounder that we caught trolling. And, and when we our fifth fifth fish over seven pounds, it was, we, we had close to a, Enough time to go make another pass, but we was in four to five foot waves at the time, so I opted to skip the last pass and get everything put away and start headed back to weigh in.
0: I don't blame you four to five foot waves I'd just as soon be packing it in too <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah they they'd been pretty consistent all day long they they- well they started out at probably threes and then they went to four to fives pretty pretty quick after that
0: and so before we talk about getting back in what kind of boat are you using?
1: Um, I have a Ranger 621 with a 300-horse Evinrude.
0: And for people that aren't familiar with the Ranger-type boats, can you go and tell a little bit about that? And-
1: yeah, that, absolutely. The The Ranger 621, it has a 100-inch beam. It's actually 101 inches outside to the rub rails. They call it a 100-inch beam. Uh, it's a little over 21. It's like 21 foot 9 inches. It has a huge front deck on it, a little, huge back deck in there. I mean, you can you can put all your tackle in the kitchen sink in there and still have room to run around in there it's it's an awesome boat perfect for the great lakes the stability on it the cutting the waves everything about it is geared toward the great lakes and rough water fishing it's a stable platform on anybody water you're on but it really shines on the great lakes and big water
0: ranger makes a great boat of you know they make the bass boats they, they would just make a number of different products they're one of your sponsors correct
1: Yes, sir. That was that was one of the uh, the final steps that placed to fish the pro circuit this year. Um, Ranger boats and Knox Marine uh, took a chance on me. I was unproven in the pro circuit. Um, I'd fished all the team tournaments, the smaller stuff. I'd fished the national championships, and they took a chance on me this year to get me in a to get me in a Ranger boat. Uh, got pro staff through Knox Marine and uh, sponsored through Ranger boats. And I can't thank them enough for, for taking the chance on me and having confidence in me to give me a chance to live my dream.
0: That's really cool. And, and where I'm going with this is now here you are in this, and it's a new ranger boat that was newish to you. You're out in your first professional tournament. You crush it. You got all these fish in the live well. You're headed back in. I had to have been feeling pretty good about that limit.
1: I, I did. I was feeling. Uh, I was feeling real good about the limit. I knew I had over 40 pounds in the boat, but I also knew that I had a 17 pound deficit to make up, and I. I, I honestly did not feel that I had enough to win it. I was hoping for a top 10 with with what we had in the boat because, uh, like I said, 17 pounds is a huge <laughs> lead to to try to get try somebody on.
0: Well, and and for anybody that reads the blog, as you come in. You, you placed with over 42 pounds of fish, and I'd say this to watch the YouTube video because, A, you got to like the look on Mike's face, but B, the guy that emcees the tournament is an absolute hoot to watch.
1: Oh, he is. Chip, Chip's a great guy, a lot of fun to be on stage with. Yeah, he's
0: he'll, he'll crack you up if you can't laugh, at, you know, not at him, but along with him. Uh, There's something wrong with you. But you went from 22nd place to first place with a 42-plus pound catch. As the pro angler for this series, tell the listeners what you won. I
1: won $15,000 in cash and a uh, new Ranger 1880 walleye boat with a 175-horse 7 root on it.
0: That's That's a great boat. But the cool thing is, don't get me wrong, winning the boat is really cool. But what had you and your wife decided to do with any cash winnings?
1: Uh, we'd talked about it this winter and we've been saving for several years. Um, it's definitely not a cheap expenditure to, <laughs> to go to the pro circuit, but we was actually able to get enough money saved that we could go through the, the entire pro circuit this year without, uh, if I didn't win a penny, we would still, you know, we wouldn't go lose the house or nothing. So uh we talked about it this winter and looked at several different places, and we finally settled on Make-A-Wish, and all the cash winnings that we win this year is going to be donated to the Make-A-Wish. Uh, at present, we donated the $15,000, uh, a smaller tournament that I got in. We donated that money, and uh we've got an envelope in the cabinet from the smaller tournaments I've been fishing that we'll probably have uh, – Somewhere between one and twenty, another thousand and twenty five hundred dollars by the end of the year that we're going to donate to the Make a Wish.
0: That's fantastic. That'll uh, allow, jeez, uh, a number of kids to, you know, go out and realize uh, some dream that they're looking at wanting to do. And hopefully, it's fishing with you.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not actually his wish, but um, I'm actually going to take one of the Wish kids fishing with his grandpa. Wants to go fishing and his parents and siblings uh, next weekend. Uh, I'm going to take them to a local lake here and take them out in the new Ranger, drive them around the lake and let the kids fish for a little while. And grandpa and the parents fish just a, a chance for them to get away from all the, uh, the stuff that's on their mind. When you have a kid going through a situation like this, hopefully it'll give them time to relax and just get away from all the.
0: Yeah. What a great thing to do. So does, does ranger call you up and say, Hey Mike, give us our boat back.
1: No, no. <laughs> It's actually the the sponsorship deal through Ranger I get it at a discounted price, but I still have to buy the boat
0: yeah no, I just well, that's great now you've got you've got the boats, you've got the winnings you did you did fish North Dakota, yes, sir and then where was the third leg of this tournament this year
1: the the third leg of it was on the Mississippi River. it actually went out of pool ten in Prairie du Chien, Wisconsin
0: okay, okay, so way up north towards the start of the
1: the Mississippi. Yeah, just shy of the Minnesota border would be where it's at.
0: That's not something that you normally think of, you know, walleye fishing. And you said that's really an actually very good area.
1: It, it is. It's a it's a phenomenal fishery up there. I I'd not been to that section of the river before, so I I went out there kind of blind. But the the number of fish that's out there, it's it's honestly unbelievable to me um bass fishing walleye fishing you be you could catch cast the same crankbait at the same thing and catch a smallmouth, a large mouth and a walleye and three casts out there
0: <laughs> a little bit of everything
1: yeah it's a great place to fish It's i've actually talked to my brother about going back out there just bass fishing
0: well if it's that good yeah if you cover the bases and you just catch whatever bites
1: yeah that's <laughs> I still fish I mean i walleye turn- walleye tournament fish primarily, but i still I'll take the kids to the pond bluegill fishing i'm, I'm married, I've got three beautiful kids, my oldest daughter's tournament fish with me we've won tournaments together my son uh ten years old now we won our first walleye tournament together last year oh sweet, so I'm everything to get all the kids involved in fishing and make them outdoors men and women as they get older.
0: It's a great thing to be involved in and And uh, you've just got some good time to watch. You know, hopefully this won't be the end of uh, you and the the National Walleye Tour. Uh, Are you planning for the 2018?
1: I am. They're they're supposed to announce their schedule. Uh, They're hoping to announce it next week uh, at the championship. I'm not going to be able to attend the championship this year. But uh, I definitely got an eye waiting for the schedule to come out to start planning on it. I'm going to be working on sponsorships and stuff through the winter here. Uh, actually starting here real quick, see if I can't get some stuff lined up to help offset some of the costs next year. Hopefully I'll be able to do something with the money next year. Like we did this year.
0: For anybody that wants to check it out, go to com. There you'll find information on the past tournaments, uh, the information on if you want to join to be either the pro side or, uh on the co angler side, it's really a unique opportunity. As Mike indicated, where else can you go out on a charter for basically a hundred and seventy five bucks a day, hundred and fifty bucks a day? You gotta provide nothing except your time and your, your devotion to trying to catch some fish and your skills to just listen and get one on one coaching. Not and that but possibly win some money.
1: Yeah, and the thing about it is 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 it's a combined weight too. The co angler and the the pro. Is weight is combined for the day, so they, the pro absolutely wants the co-angler to catch every fish he can. It's not like, you know, just trying to kill time to get the day over with. They absolutely want to teach you everything they possibly can to get you to catch fish that day because that helps them out. It helps you out. It, it, it's, it's a win-win for everybody if you're catching fish out there.
0: Do the uh, co-anglers need to show up about a week beforehand to fish as well, or that's not that's not in, encouraged?
1: Uh, it is entirely up to them. If they know somebody and they want to come out and help pre-fish, they're, they're absolutely, there's no rules or anything against it. But if you have a tight schedule and say you're in Texas and you want to fish Lake Saccoquia, you can catch an airplane out there the, the night before the tournament, just make it to the pre-tournament meeting and then, you know, stay a couple days, fish a couple days and jump out. Or if you're close enough to drive, I mean, you can, the co-angler can show up the day before if that's what he chooses to do and just make the pre-tournament meeting and he's good to go for the tournament.
0: And there's something interesting about that co-angler is, as an example, Mike, you were telling me that if there's 100 boats and 120 co-anglers show up, not everybody's going to get to fish. But if you're that co-angler that goes out and puts in for all three of the tournaments, you're guaranteed a fishing spot.
1: Yes, you get, well, you get, if you enter for all three of them, you get priority entry over anybody with just one. But to be guaranteed, you have to enter with a pro.
0: Got it. Okay, so that's how it works. So I, I misspoke.
1: Yeah, if uh, if somebody, you know, if it was somebody that knew me or whatever called and said, ask if I had a co angler for this tournament. Uh, no, I don't have a co angler yet. And we sign up together and put each other. We're guaranteed to fish. That that's one hundred percent guaranteed.
0: But we won't fish but together. It,
1: that's right. That's um, it, it's a blind draw. I've never seen anybody draw their co angler. They signed up with, it's a computer-generated system that picks out who who's fishing with who. You know, it's basically a random draw. Oh, all right. But we just to enter, that guarantees one pro and one co-angler, so that guarantees the numbers is right. That's how you get guaranteed that way. And if somebody wants to fish all of them, they want to do everything they can to get them in them, so then they get priority entry. And then if you just want to fish a single one, they'll tell you a couple days in advance of the tournament whether or not you're going to make it or not or if you're on a waiting list.
0: Okay. So that's really uh you know, even if you go in and enter, enter them all as the co-angler, you're going on a flight up there. You're not going to have to drag along a bunch of equipment. You can bring some, but you're not going to have to. You get your suitcase, you get on a plane, you rent a car and man, you're out there and you're, you're ready to go. And you just wait for the drawing to take place. What a what an opportunity.
1: I've- Ice, absolutely, if you're short on vacation time, anything that's that, that's that'd be the way to go. There's no two two ways about that. That's something that bass fishing doesn't offer. Uh, bass fishing has a a pro and a co format, but everybody's weights are separated. But in walleye fishing, they're combined. If if me and you was fishing a tournament tomorrow, I drew you and you caught 35 pounds of fish and I didn't get a bite all day, we both have 35 pounds of fish, and vice versa. If I caught 35 pounds of fish and you didn't get a bite all day. At the end of day one, you still have 35 pounds also.
0: And it really, as you said, from the co-angler side, you're going to have a, a person in there that's really trying to teach you the ropes and pass you some, some knowledge pretty darn quick because they've got a huge vested interest in you doing real well.
1: Absolutely. I mean, everything that they teach you, it helps you and it helps them. And that's just something that, you know, it would, wouldn't make no sense for the pro not to want you to catch fish. There's no reason on earth for that to happen. So he wants to do everything to make sure that you understand what's going on, exactly how the fish are biting, everything from how you rig the worm on there, or you need to hook a minnow this way, or uh, what size weight, what type of retrieve you need on a crankbait, whether you need to wait when a board goes back or you need to pick it up right away. Anything that he's learning, he's going to teach you.
0: What a great experience.
1: Absolutely. I, I've actually considered going on the, the co-angler side myself for a few years. I wish I'd have spent a couple years in there learning a few more of the ropes. It would probably help me out some when I made the transition to the pro side.
0: Well, taking first place, that's uh you can call it luck, uh, whatever you want, but that certainly shows that you were in the right spot at the right time and you, you worked hard and you were rewarded for it.
1: Yeah, I had a lot of help in that. Like I said, I had a lot of friends up there helping me out pre-fishing and everything that had come up. One to come up for a day or two. Another one to show up after that to come up and jump in the boat, so I wasn't in the boat by myself up there. And like I said, my wife did the, did all the work at home. She she let me completely focus on fishing, and that was that was huge.
0: Well, that's awesome. And, you know, I'll tell you, I, I want to be respectful of your time, and I know it's getting into the evening here, so I want you to be able to cut out of here to talk with your kids and have a good evening. I appreciate uh, everything you passed on to the listeners today. There's such neat tournaments, whether it be on the bass side or the walleye side, that are going around the country that don't necessarily get as much attention as, say, a whitetail hunting show or any of this other stuff, but it's a neat sport. It deserves all the attention it can get, and you're just a class act in that sport, doing what you're doing. Uh, I just can't commend you enough on the work you're doing with Make-A-Wish, and I hope you enjoy that new boat.
1: Oh, thank you, Jason. I, I really appreciate all that. But I, I, I still got to give the credit to my wife. If it wasn't for her, none of this would be possible.
0: Yeah, I tell everybody, head out to National Walleye Tour. Check out the sponsors that they have. It's a Who's Who of Boats, along with Ram Truck, uh, Cabela's. You know, there's just big names, and it's a strong tournament. And if you're like me, you'll be printing off that CoAngler app. So uh, <laughs> get out there and enjoy it and uh again mike i I look forward to talking with you we'll have to touch in here and base here in another a few months or so to see how the the winter's wrapping up do you ice fish
1: absolutely i do uh i it doesn't matter if i'm if all i can get to is a creek to go chub fishing or bluegills in the pond or if i kick a hole in the ice to catch one i i can't go very long without fishing for something
0: that's a unique thing down here they don't think about it much doing ice fishing but it's it's a neat time and also can be very productive for walleye perch any of that
1: yeah absolutely walleye perch northern pike um i guess i I forgot that you was from texas there but it'd be something that probably put a shock on her face i go just a little north of me here and would drive the truck out on the ice to punch a hole in it park right beside where we drill a hole in the ice on the lake
0: Yeah. When I moved to Arizona in 96, wasn't thinking I packed up and I had some of my ice fishing gear in the trailer and had a few people come over to help and they're looking at this stuff and they're going like, what is this? And I'm like, it's for ice fishing. And it was when I told them you drive a truck out on the ice that just blew their mind. They just, it was beyond comprehension, uh, that the ice would get thick enough to actually support a vehicle.
1: Yeah. If, if you was ever around Houghton Lake up there when they have their ice fishing city out there there's motor homes and everything else they put up a little town out there in the middle of the ice
0: oh yeah tip Town.
1: yep that's what it, that's the name of it
0: that's a fun time and uh so yeah i went to school just south of houghton lake and so there was a i think a trip or two that was made up to tip up Town.
1: okay i've been up in that area ice fishing there too and open water fishing
0: yep great area and so it's all a lot of fun but I, again i thank you for your time and I really wish you the best coming up in this these next go around. You got any small tournaments you're in?
1: Uh yeah. I just uh, the last two weeks I fished a couple local tournaments here. And, uh, they was both actually on C.J. Brown for two different walleye circuits. There, I got a second place and a first place. And our next tournaments are there's two more in October.
0: Well, good luck on those. I look forward to hearing how you're doing on them. And enjoy next week fishing with that family from uh, the make area. And I hope you guys uh, just slay them and get able to put a bunch of fish in the boat.
1: Wow, thank you very much, Jason. I sure appreciate it. And I'm really looking forward to that, too, and look forward to talking to you again one of these days.
0: Sounds good, sir. You take care.
1: Thank you. You, too. Bye. Bye-bye.
2: Summer, this spring it's getting green fish on the bed and hear those turkeys gobble it's raining in my head the winter rides fast boat here comes another year yeah we command the outdoors around here oh we command the outdoors Yeah, we command the outdoors. Come summertime, we're feeling fine, fishing on the lake. Flipping jigs and Carolina rigs. From early morning till real late. Bonfires on the creek bank, kick back a couple beers. Yeah, we command the outdoors around here Yeah, we command the outdoors Yeah, we command the outdoors Next year's dozen till you know winners on the way Brushing blinds and deer stands The fever starts to creep Fill our freezers full of ducks Lots of tender deer Yeah, we command the outdoors around here Yeah, we we Command the outdoors Yeah, we So grab your guns and shells, boys, put on your camouflage, cause we command the outdoors around here, we command the outdoors.